Unprecedented conversation, bridging the gap between two faiths, spanning over 9,000 miles and over 2,000 years. Welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. Welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. Thank you so much for joining us on this broadcast and podcast. I'm the preacher, Dave McGuera, and sitting in this broadcast is a dear friend who is going to be the teacher, also known as the rabbi. So I think many of you who listen to the teacher and preacher regularly know that my usual partner lives full-time in Israel, and he's been activated as a reservist, and he's serving, and so he's not able to sit in the chair as much as he would like to. So what a privilege to have with us today Rabbi Lifshitz. He is the rabbi at the Chabad Synagogue in Boise, Idaho, and we've been very fortunate to be able to have a relationship for a number of years now that has found us working on projects together and doing things that support the Jewish community and enjoying celebrating special holy days together and just the life that should be happening between Christians and Jews. And so, Rabbi Lifshitz, I welcome you to The Teacher and the Preacher, and thank you so much for your willingness to not only do this program, but to sit in this seat. Your blessing. Thank you so much, my dear friend Dave. Uh, it's it's really an honor and a pleasure to be back with you and uh, engage in conversation that I know is going to be fruitful and uh, enlightening to yeah, everybody listening. I love that. You, you bring a lot to the table. Uh, tell our listeners just a little bit about you. How many years have you been serving as a rabbi? Um, well, I've been serving as a rabbi for about 23 or 24 years now. Um, been doing it here in Idaho. This is our 20th year. Amazing. Yeah. So. And a lot has happened. A lot has when happened. When you started, what was it like? You birthed it from, from nothing, oh, right? Oh, yeah. We, we started, uh, you know, this uh, out, of our ho- out of our home when we moved here. We knew three Jews. <laughs> wow. I'm not kidding. And uh, slowly but surely, we've, we've built a community and uh, a following. And thank God, it's, it's been a tremendous blessing. Uh, there's no greater privilege uh, in my life and my wife Esther's life than uh, serving the, the community here in Idaho. Uh, in the Treasure Valley and throughout the whole state. I love that. Well, you know, one of the things that we don't have um, an abundance of here in Idaho is Jewish people. That's true. So, it's, it's growing, but it it's not New York and it's not L.A. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You've done a great work, and uh, uh, evidence of that is uh, the project you guys took on to do a complete facelift on the synagogue, and people stepped up and turned out, and I, I just love that. And what a great celebration that you guys had not too long ago, and uh, being able to get into those facilities, and uh, it's the first mikvah ever in Idaho. That's right. It's it's right? it's been a real special project and we're very grateful to all the partners in the community and the wider community as well. Uh, so thank you Dave for being such a great supporter and partner always uh, with the Jewish community here. Um, yeah. it's you know in these trying times it really is remarkable to know that we have such great friends. Listen, one of the things that we should talk about in this topic today which is the topic of Jew hatred. We, we, we have the word anti-Semitism, which I think is basically used to soften 
uh, the, the, the term Jew hatred, but the reality is that um, anti-Semitism is only targeting the Jewish people. It's not a word that's used for any other people group. It's just right. for the Jewish people. And one of the things that is happening that maybe is way, way, way overdue for sure and that was absent in the first persecution of the Jews in, in recent history was the Holocaust. And now we have this term coming around called never again. Mm-hmm. And that term is a result of we realize that when we were needed, we never showed up. And now coming to terms with dropping the ball as lovers of Jewish people, as Christian people, understanding that Israel is God's firstborn, that we should have stood up, showed up, made some noise, uh, and, and even though there were many Christians who were involved in helping rescue Jews and protect Jews, there just wasn't enough. And so now this term, never again, has the opportunity to put some action to that. And one of the things that you and I have enjoyed watching is the growing number of pro-Israel people, not just Christians, but pro-Israel people who are um, stepping up here in Idaho. We've got over 65,000 who are members of Christians United for Israel here in, in Idaho, but it surpasses that with just people who have no connection to Christianity, but they love Israel and they love the Jewish people. And so when you hear this term, what does that mean to you personally? Well, I just have to say off the bat that, you know, that's remarkable and heartwarming, all those uh, supporters that we have here in Idaho. That really is fabulous um, to have Christians United for Israel with such a strong following uh, and all those people that are out there showing support. It's just uh, something that definitely uh, gives us a boost and knowing that we're not alone in this uh, journey. Um, yeah, never again is a phrase that we've uh, heard in the Jewish community for decades now after the Holocaust. And what you see now often is the phrase, never again is now. Yes, yes. Meaning it's time for us to step up and yes. ensure that never again. Exactly. Um, because what, what a lot of people don't realize about anti-Semitism and Jew hatred is that it's always there, but it kind of snowballs under certain circumstances at certain times. And obviously one of them was the Holocaust, um, which, you know, in the uh, early 1930s, the Nazi movement starts rising up in, in Germany and um, Hitler comes to power and all these things kept snowballing. And um, could we just think for a second, you know, a lot of the conversation always uh, centers around, hey, what if the Americans had bombed the tracks to Auschwitz? But let's take it a step back further and say, hey, what if people would have resisted in, the ni- in 1933, 1934, 1935? We wouldn't right. have needed to right. bomb tracks in Auschwitz, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that what's really important for uh, people that love the Jewish people and uh, um, love uh, the Holy Land is to recognize that they can step up now. 
We don't need to wait till it gets terribly ugly. Yes. Um, So we have opportunities now, and that's really what the phrase never again means. It means, uh, to a lot of people, it means uh, we can't allow atrocities to happen. We can't allow um, a Holocaust to happen again, God forbid. Um, but to me, it means something more. It's, it's a call to action. Uh, and that call to action is not just let's prevent genocide and atrocities. It's let me do something today Yeah, that's going to be positive, that's going to influence others. One of the things that you helped us with here in Idaho was deciding let's do a rally. Let's do a Idaho Stands with Israel rally. And I remember you, remember you called me and you said – Dave, will the churches show up? Will the Christian people show up if we do this? Which I think was a a great question and a very fair question. And you know what? My response was, yes, they will. And they did. And this is one of the (laughs) things that you and I, it brought great joy to our hearts to see the turnout, Mm -hmm. to see the camaraderie, to see the melting together of, of, of that which I think is really on God's heart mm-hmm. to bring his kids together, but, but it's way overdue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was a blessing to you, to you and it was a blessing to me, but I, couldn't, I, I can tell you that it was more of a blessing to me to see this blessing literal blessing of people gathering and making some noise and pushing back against this to the point that they actually heard about it in Israel. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I loved that because I had people hollering at me saying, hey, we saw that you guys did a rally, blah, 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 you know. So, I mean, it, it caught some news. But, mm-hmm. you know, the sad fact of the matter is that, just as you mentioned, uh, Jew hatred has been kind of laying generally dormant since the Holocaust. But the activities of October 7th, boy, it, it, it shook the gates of hell, and and hell was unleashed, and um, it brought out the worst in all different kinds of areas of the world, various pockets. I mean, you've got uh, entertainers, high-profile entertainers. You've got high-profile athletes. You've got uh, university presidents and uh, various others who spout this Jew hatred this anti-Semitic rant that goes on that almost becomes, am I really hearing what I'm hearing? I can't believe that this is actually happening in the 21st century where modern people live, right? But wow, has it really been on display to the point that we've had our Holocaust deniers. But then to say that, you know, that the IDF staged those attacks in those communities and did, did the devastating, disastrous, horrendous things. I mean, to go that far. So this this old kind of hate has become very, very visible now. And I think that the value of us having a chance to visit about this, it's not just to inform people, but it's really to be able to challenge them about there are some things that you can do. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. What has created such Jew hatred historically? Well, one of the, I mean, that's a great question um, because Jew hatred has been around as long as there have been Jews, yes, which is thousands yes. of years. Um, and w- one of the interesting qualities 
of anti-Semitism or Jew hatred is that it has taken on many different forms. Yes. And we see that today, but we've seen it also historically, you know. Um, some people say, well, we hate the Jews because they're too religious. Oh, we hate the Jews because they're secular. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, you know, uh, we hate the Jews because of Israel. Um, you know, uh, some people say, we hate the Jews, uh, you should all go to Israel. And others say, get out of Palestine. So, yes. so we find the exact, you know, ideology used from both sides against the Jews, no matter what. Um, you know, we hate the Jews because they're so powerful, have so much money and resources and fame and uh, control. And then we hate the Jews because they're a stateless people that are running around and, 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 and they're poor and they're usurping all of our resources. So the, the same arguments are taken from two different extremes on the same topics uh, against the Jewish people. And when you start seeing that pattern, you start to recognize that Jew hatred is deeper than all of this, and that these are pretexts in order to try to justify something that's not justifiable. And so really, anti-Semitism at its core is a very deep problem. It's something that people um, are looking for a scapegoat in their lives. Looking for who can we blame? Who can we? So generally speaking, when you have people looking for somebody to hate, it's because sadly they hate themselves. Mm. They feel inadequate. Mm. They have a vacuum, a void inside. And that emptiness inside propels them, compels them to, to, to look for an other, to say, well, they're the problem. And so throughout history, that's, that has taken on many different forms and images. Um, sometimes, you know, sadly, it was the church at, at one time. Yes, absolutely. And, and that was a time when uh, there was a lot of ideological and theological um, pretexts to hate the Jewish people. Um, what we are blessed with today is that we have... Uh, Christians who have come to realize that the Jewish people are not the problem. The Jewish people are a blessing. Yes. And absolutely. that there are opportunities for us to support the Jewish people in a way that will bolster uh, our own faith as Christians. Um, and so we feel very blessed that we've reached that stage in, in history. Um, but there's still going to be people who, for whatever religious ideological reasons, are going to yeah. hate the Jewish people. Yeah, and we find that in, in other faiths today and maybe a little bit in Christianity. But um, it's, it, it's just an example of how um, the Jewish people can remind others about their own inadequacies. Why is this tiny little nation, this tiny people that represent not even a percent of society, not even a quarter of a percent of the world population, why are they at the center of the attention all the time? Why are they still surviving? Why are they still here? According to all statistics, Jews should not exist anymore. Now, you and I recognize that there must be a spiritual reason for that, mm -hmm. but if you haven't tapped into that, then it's something deeply troubling inside about, well, they're here, why am I here? And so you spoke earlier about never again. Um, to me, the antidote to anti-Semitism is really helping people think about their own purpose. Because if they fill that void in a positive way, in a purposeful way, in a God-driven way, and think about God created me, we're all created in the image of God. 
You know, I'm reminded of a fascinating conversation that my mentor, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, had with the president of Poland. Um, this is going back uh, 40 years ago. Okay, there was an anti-Semitic incident in Poland, and the president of Poland was driven to um, write a letter to a world Jewish leader, Rabbi Schneerson, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, was one of the greatest Jewish leader of his generation. And so he decided to write a letter apologizing to the Jewish people hmm. um, for this incident. And the Rebbe responded and thanked him for his uh, letter and uh, encouraged him to do more, to uh, engage with the Jewish local Jewish community and to prevent such acts from happening. But the Rebbe said the primary methodology to combat anti-Semitism is really going to be by helping people learn their own self-value. Mm. And the Rebbe said something fascinating. If you look in the Bible, the Torah tells us that when God created the world, he created all the creatures of the world in pairs. You know, there, were, there was a lion and a lioness, right? Mm -hmm. Male and female. But when mm -hmm. he created the human, God did something strange. He created one, created one human being and then separated that one into two. Yes. Isn't that fascinating? Mm -hmm. Why did mm -hmm. God do that? And the Rebbe points out something very fascinating. He says, the reason is to teach all of us that no human being is superior than another. Mm. We all come from the same one human being. No, no one can say, well, I come from this race that's superior mm -hmm. or something else. And so uh, really what we ought to do if we want to fight anti-Semitism is educate people yes, and help them recognize their own self-worth, recognize that God put them on this world for a purpose to make this world a holier, better place. When they're infused with that passion, with that calling, I think a lot of the problems will subside. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Thank you for that. You know, I, I think about this whole thing and I think, you know, from God's heart, he's the one who decided to uh, choose Abraham, and through Abraham, he was going to change the world. Uh, God was going to bless Abraham in such a way that it would impact nations, impact the entire world. And, you know, um, the responsibility that God handed down to the Jewish people was to be a light to the nations. Now, think about this for a minute, because, you know, there were these other nations that were already in existence at the time. And so here comes a man who starts talking about uh, monotheism. And many of these cultures had multiple gods. And so he starts to share from his heart about this amazing god, one of a kind. And, and it starts to uh, be probably a bit of an irritation that this people group is, is destined to be the group that God chooses to be a light to the nations. And what does that mean? It means to expose who God is, the goodness of God, the heart of God, the blessing of God, and the understanding that we do reap what we sow and that there is this issue of sin and trying to educate people. Well, you w walk into an environment of groups that have multiple gods and tell them, no, there's only one God, <laughs> that doesn't go over real big, <laughs> right? And then, you know, uh, time goes by, and time goes by, and time goes by until 
our friends, our Jewish friends, many of them will say, listen, we may be the chosen people, but if this is how you get treated, we wish God would, would choose someone else, right? A little fiddler be- there. <laughs> yes, because uh, once again, um, how much of that is simply from being Jewish? I think a part of it is um, because of the responsibility that God laid upon the Jewish people to stand in the gap of a dark world and be light. And I think that's a significant thing, and the Jews have done that. One of the things that um, I think is a really significant thing right now in terms of what God is doing is God is dropping the walls that have historically for way too long divided Christians and Jews. And he's doing something that... um, I think was put into the Jewish term nachas. <laughs> it's that uh, God is doing something that gives him this sense of, I don't know if the right word is pride, but joy of seeing your children come together, seeing this that you love so much come together. And there's it's hard to describe that in a word. We don't have a word in English for that, right? <laughs> but here he sees this, and it's a God thing. And here you and I are sitting here talking about this together out of not debate, but dialogue. Mm-hmm. Not out of foreigners, but friendship. Absolutely. And a genuine love that God has given us. Well, there's a, it's a new day. And is. God is bridging the gap. But while this is happening, we have uh, anti-Semitism rearing its ugly head, and it's impacting uh, the entire world. It's especially impacting Israel, but it's also impacting uh, those of us who live here in the U.S. And, you know, we've had our share of issues that have arisen, and uh, some of our Highest profile universities have had presidents who would not condemn the genocide. They would not draw a line in the sand and say this is absolutely unacceptable or wrong. In fact, they couldn't get them to even uh, do any level of condemnation. And it was, <laughs> it was so stark and, and beyond belief. Pathetic is the word. Yes. And here's a watching world. And, you know, what's even more important is there's a group of Jewish people, no matter where they're at, who in this is awakened a fear, a genuine fear. It's not just disdain for what the person said or didn't say or wouldn't say. It it, It awakens a fear. And you and I know that the history is replete with uh, Jews running to, to hide almost wherever they went uh, after the dispersion uh, and, and the, the Jewish hatred. Well, that fear is striking people who never even were around during the Holocaust. They heard about it, read about it, were told about it, probably had some relatives that experienced that. But now it's me living, mm-hmm. and it's on this side of the Holocaust. And the anti-Semitism levels are rising to historic historic levels, which means that it instills fear where Jewish people are scared to death, even here in the U.S., to live as a Jewish person. Whether or not they're going to wear kippah, whether or not they're going to wear jewelry, whether or not they're going to wear anything that will identify them as a Jew. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really a shameful thing, but how, how do you address that? And are there people within your in your own congregation that you you feel are living with fear these days? What do you say to them? There certainly are. 
there certainly are people living with fear today. Um, it's tragic. Um, it's sad. And it's, like you mentioned earlier, it's not a phenomenon that's only occurring in, you know, some East Coast universities. Uh, it might be more pronounced in certain areas than others, yeah. but it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, and there have been some minor incidents here in Idaho as well. Um, but by and large, uh, what I tell my community when they come to me with these concerns, mm -hmm. uh, as you know, I have not taken off my kippah. Right, <laughs> right. And uh, I, my wife likes to say about me that I'm a walking advertisement <laughs> for Judaism. So She's so right. <laughs> so so um, here's, here's, here's my approach um, that I tell my community. My approach is... Um, we need to educate the world. We need to demonstrate that we will not cower in fear. We will not disappear. Um, we will be stronger than ever before. So instead of taking off your kippah, convince someone else to wear a kippah too so you're not alone. Mm. So let's get two kippahs. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> let's get two uh, you know, uh, pieces of jewelry that demonstrate that you're Jewish. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and it's working. Um, I have uh, seen that you know, there are some people that sadly are fearful and, and, and remove that keep up perhaps, but uh, others step up and say, hey, yes. this is the time to be counted as a Jew. This is the time yes. to step up and show that I'm proud. This is the time that I need to um, look at in the mirror and say, what does it mean to me to be a Jew? Yeah. I mean, why am I here? It's sad that our enemies need to r remind us, uh, but there is an awakening right. within the Jewish community. And you mentioned Abraham before. Um, I think Abraham is the role model for this because if you look in the Torah, how do, what's the title that Abraham is given in the Bible? What is the title? The father of nations. Yes, he's the father of nations. That's his name, Avraham. That's in Hebrew what the word Abraham means. But what is the, the, the title? The Torah gives him is Avraham Ha'ivri, which means Abraham the Hebrew. Okay, mm -hmm. we translate it. Mm -hmm. it's, and that's where the modern word Ivrit, which is the language of Hebrew, comes from. It all comes from Abraham. But what is the etymology? What is the meaning of that word? Hebrew, if you listen to it carefully, is a transliteration of Ivri. Ivri Hebrew, okay? Hmm. Yeah. It's, a, it's a transliteration of that word. What does Ivri mean? There is a, that's a, an actual word in Hebrew. And you know what it, it means? In, in, in the ancient tongue of Hebrew, not, modern Hebrew ado adopted that word, but in, in the original ancient holy tongue of Hebrew, it means the other side. Really? Abraham was the iconoclast. He was Mr. Independent. He was willing to say something that other people were not willing to say. Hmm. He was willing to promote one God, monotheism, in the world that was completely a pagan world that believed in all types of theisms, but not monotheism. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so Abraham stood strong. Everyone said, that's the other guy. <laughs> that was his title. The other the, guy. The other guy. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbi, it's been just fantastic to have a chance to sit and visit with you and talk about this really important issue and some of the things that are going on. And I want to just say to our listeners, uh, those who may be Jewish and those who may not even know a Jewish person, let's try to find that person who is wearing the kippah, who's got on the star, David. Let's give them a hug and uh, let's let them know how much we appreciate them 
just living as a Jew. So, as we always uh, encourage our listeners, check us out. You can you can respond uh, with an email if you'd like. Write us, the teacher and the preacher at gmail.com. Check out our website, theteacherandthepreacher.com. It's a great way to donate, and uh, everything that comes in right now, we're giving to Israel and want to support Israel, and it's a wonderful thing to do, so I want to encourage you to do that. And may the God of Israel, who never slumbers, who never sleeps, may he watch over Israel and all of our Jewish friends, and may that same God bless America.